Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 do you realize that you belong to mount zion do you realize that because you have jesus you are citizens of the universe that is in the majority is faithful to god that's pastor michael oxentenko and this is reaching your heart Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentanko is the second portion of the first Armageddon. It is a part of the Cosmic Controversy series, and we hope that you enjoy it. Remember, you can always find this message online under the archives under the Cosmic Controversy series at reachingyourheart.com. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentanko. We have the war in heaven. It comes to the victory of the cross, and then it moves to the war at the end of time. That's the basic element of the chiasm. The chiasm starts in verse 1. It ends in verse 17. This time, the chapter division got it right. That's where the chiasm is. It's the entire chapter of Revelation 12. Now, you'll notice in the chiasmus that the serpent persecutes the woman on each side of the center, which is found in verses 10 and 11. That's the very center of this, of this structure. It's no accident that the victory through the blood of the Lamb is at the very center of the chiasm. Now, I want to draw your attention to the extreme sides of the chiasm. Look at Revelation 12.1 and then look at Revelation 12, verse 7. You'll notice that the chiasm starts in Revelation 12.1 with a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and 12 stars in her head. Now, it matches Revelation 12.17 where the dragon is angry with the remnant of the woman's seed who go off to make war. He goes off to make war on those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The chiasm starts with a woman that is pregnant and it ends with the remnant of her seed that's left over at the end of time. It starts with the many and it ends with the few. Now in this chiasm, the stars poetically match the remnant at the beginning. So the stars at the beginning match at the end remnant. The sun matches the law of God and the moon matches the testimony of Jesus. So let's take some time here with some Bible verses and let's unlock these symbols in Revelation 12 so we can better understand what's going on. Now first we have the image of a woman. At the beginning of the chiasm, the woman very clearly represents the heavenly Jerusalem, which is Mount Zion. She's pregnant. It means heaven is ready to give a great gift. In the context, that great gift is Jesus who will be born into the human race. And this pregnant woman really represents the first Armageddon, the first mountain of the assembly, the first place where God's holy throne was at. Galatians 4.26 says, Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. And so here we see a figure of the heavenly Jerusalem, a woman. In Hebrews 12.22, it tells the Christian church that you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. That's the mountain of the assembly. So here we are at the first part of this mountain chiastic structure. We have the first Armageddon, the first mountain of the assembly. 
Jesus came from that heavenly Jerusalem to save the world. Now, some people think, well, Christ came from Israel. Christ did not come from Israel. Christ came to Israel. That's why this woman cannot represent the Jewish people of the Old Testament. As much as God loves them and they are his covenant people, by promise in the Old Testament, it's not talking about this group. This is a heavenly woman that gave us Jesus. The war started in heaven at the beginning of the chiasm and it will end on earth at the end of the chiasm. Now the woman in Revelation 12.1 is the heavenly Jerusalem. In Revelation 12.10, if you go down to the center of that chiasm, the woman in, in the figure of the a heavenly universe with a single voice accepts God's people as part of that heavenly family. And I'm going to read the verse to you. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ our Messiah have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. You see, because of the cross, heaven took a vote with a single voice as declared in this verse that we are part of the woman, that we are part of the heavenly Jerusalem. So at the cross, the earthly sanctuary didn't matter anymore. At the cross, what was planted in Jerusalem was no longer of significance because type met anti-type. And we were transported by faith to hear the voice of heaven saying, because Jesus died for you, our commander-in-chief, We accept you as our brother. You are part of the woman of the heavenly Jerusalem. After the cross, the woman represents the church too. So from that point on, we talk about the woman, we're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem and the church as one. Revelation 12, 6 and 14, the woman is driven into the wilderness for 1260 days or three and a half times or years. But in Revelation 11 too, it's the holy city that is trampled for this time period. So the 1260 days represents 1260 literal years. The Bible is talking about the church of the Middle Ages that looked to be a minority on earth but was in fact connected to heaven by its citizenship through the cross. And there's no missing the point here. The woman at first represents the heavenly Jerusalem. Then after the cross, the woman includes those believers who accept Jesus. So have you ever felt like that you're a minority in this world and you just can't get along because... Evil is so big and plentiful out there, you just like fighting to stay true to God. You ever felt that way? Fess up and tell me the truth. Do you realize that you belong to Mount Zion? Do you realize that because you have Jesus, you are citizens of the universe that is in the majority as faithful to God? Do you realize that you belong to a family that is a class 5 civilization that is ancient and they voted you in because of the cross of Christ? You know, we really don't have a place for that kind of thinking in our theology. The family of heaven and the church have become one family in Jesus at the cross and they were declared justified in him in the resurrection. But it must be received by faith in our lives, obviously. The Son of Revelation 12, 1 corresponds to the commandments of God. Now why do I say that? Because the Old Testament says it. So we know what the woman is. It represents the heavenly Jerusalem. It can extend to the church. But what is this imagery of the sun? You know, look at Psalms 19, 4 to 7. I'm going to quickly move through it. In the heavens, in them, God has set a tent for the sun, which means a sanctuary for the sun, which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, it runs its course with joy. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hid from its heat. And then what does the sun represent? The next verse tells us the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. 
The sun is a symbol of the law of God that shines in our life. When God gave us his word, he gave us his light. The sun is the ultimate symbol of light in creation. So it symbolizes that which God has given us as the holy law of God. The sun symbolizes God's truth of his, of his Ten Commandment word. Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn in them. So when we talk about the sun, we're really talking about the Ten Commandments or the law of God. Same thing. The moon. The moon is a lesser light that draws its light from the sun. If the sun was blotted out, what would happen to the moon? Would you have any light from the moon? The moon is a lesser light that points to the greater light of the sun. Does the moon shine in the daylight as a rule? We see it every now and then, but it doesn't really dominate the day. It belongs to what part of the 24-hour period? The night, obviously. The moon is a lesser light that draws its light from the sun. The moon corresponds in the chiasm to the testimony of Jesus. Look at Psalms 89.37. Amazing verse here. It says, Like the moon, it shall be established forever as a faithful witness in the skies. And the Hebrew word for witness is the word for testimony, one who gives testimony. The moon represents the testimony of the sun. The law is the sun that provides the light for the moon, which is the testimony of Jesus. It's no accident in the book of Revelation that Christ's face shines like the sun because the law is not external from God. Christ is the law. And so the Ten Commandment Word of God, the Holy Law of God, came from Jesus. It is the light of His moral revelation to this world and to the universe. But it is reflected by the moon, which means the testimony. The testimony of Jesus is the moon in the context and the book of Revelation, and it represents the spirit of prophecy which comes from Jesus as his testimony to previous revelation and is for the churches. The moon is given for the night. Why? Because prophecy comes with light to waken up the church, to get it going, to help it go back to God's word and to be true to him. The moon represents the spirit of prophecy in the church that comes to the church as the lesser light to lead them to the greater light of the Son, of the law of God and of God's word. Revelation 19.10 clearly says this, I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. And here's John falling down to worship the angel that's revealing this to him. He says, don't do it. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then what does he say? Worship God. In other words, obey the law. Don't break the law because I showed up. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's a vital relationship between the stars and the remnant in the chiasm of Revelation. So we've looked at the symbols so far. The woman, the heavenly Jerusalem, can include the church after the cross. The sun represents God's law, the commandments of God. The moon is a lesser light that points to the greater light, symbolizing the testimony of Jesus. It matches up in the chiasm on each side. There's a vital relationship between the stars that we see in the first part of the chiasm and the remnant in the chiasm at verse 17. Stars, as we know, can represent angels in the Bible, like in Job 38.7, when stars or angels sang at the creation of the world. Or in Revelation 12.4, right here in the same chapter, when a third of the stars are thrown to the earth, they fall. It represents fallen angels that Satan pulled out of heaven. In Revelation 12, how many of the angels stayed? A majority of the stars stayed in heaven, didn't they? So in Revelation 12.3, only one-third of the stars fell to the earth. Two-thirds remain loyal to God. Is there a remnant in heaven or are the majority in heaven? The majority are in heaven. The stars of heaven are the majority. So at the beginning of the chiasm, you don't have a remnant 
of the stars. You have the majority of the stars staying loyal to God. The majority that stay loyal to God are obviously connected to the sun, the woman, and the uh, truth of God's law. Now, sometimes stars can represent believers on earth who lead others to Christ. So, has anyone here ever wanted to be a star? I mean, it was a song years ago, and I don't like these songs, but, you know, you walk through a store, and they have this elevator music, and you hear it. You don't have to be a star baby was one of those things I heard in, in one of those elevator situations. I don't like the song, but I can still remember it sounding like, you don't have to be a star baby. Now, isn't there something in all of us that like to be a star? Come on. I'm sure there is. Well, stars can also represent people in certain circumstances. In the prophecy of Daniel, the stars represent a remnant on earth that turned the many to righteousness at the end of time. Daniel 12.3 And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the what? Like the stars forever and ever. Now, if the stars here are turning many to righteousness, are they the majority, the many, or the few that affect the many? They're the few that affect the many. So in this sense, the stars is a symbol of the remnant of servants of God that remain that affect the larger body to return to God. In Revelation 12, 17, the remnant takes the place of the stars in the chiasm at the end of time. So it starts with the many, it ends with the few. It starts with a heavenly majority, it ends with a minority on earth that's faithful to God. So why are the stars reduced to a remnant at the end of the chiasm? When Israel was faithful to God, they were like the stars of heaven in number. When God took Abraham out and he said, your children are going to be like what? Like the stars of heaven. Now look at Deuteronomy 10.22. When they came into the promised land, as they were actually on the way, Moses very clearly said, this is what you are this day. He said, your fathers went down to Egypt 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven for multitude. So the stars was a description of God's people in a large group that had made it through adversity, and here they were. Now, in Deuteronomy 28.16, that would change if their attitude toward God changed. He says, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, you shall be left few in number. That means you shall be left a remnant because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. So the stars was a description of God's people in a large group that had made it through adversity, and here they were. Now, in Deuteronomy 28.16, that would change if their attitude toward God changed. He says, Whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, you shall be left few in number. That means you shall be left a remnant because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So why do we have a remnant in the book of Revelation? It's because God's people that should have been like stars in number 
did not obey the voice of God, and they were reduced to a remnant at the end of time because of this. So this is the imagery of a group that holds out in the face of apostasy. There's a remnant of the stars at the end of time because of an apostasy in the church. Now let's review the symbols together. The woman represents the heavenly Jerusalem, and after the cross it includes the church, you and me. The sun represents the commandments of God, which is the lamp, and the light of God's will and character. And the Ten Commandments is a clear expression of that. The moon represents the witness to the sun, or the testimony of Jesus, that the Bible and the book of Revelation clearly declares to be the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is given to the church in times of darkness to point his people to the light of Jesus and his law. That's why the Bible says it exists to the end of time in the Christian church. And we should not despise this gift in the church. The stars in heaven represent the majority of God's heavenly children who remain loyal to God. Chiasm starts with the majority in heaven that are loyal, but it moves to the end of the chiasm. At the end of time, the remnant of her seed are those at the end of time who remain loyal to God of the human family in the face of a great apostasy. Now, if you look at the chapter, certain truths are clear from this chiasm. On each side of the chiasm, in Revelation 12, you have the law of God and the testimony of Jesus. At the first part, it's the Son. It represents the Ten Commandments. At the last part, it just says the commandments of God. The first part, you have the moon. At the end of the chiasm, it's the testimony of Jesus. You see, we have a truth here. Satan brought pain to heaven's family because he defied the sun and the moon at the dawn of time. He attacked the law of God in the great controversy. He attacked the throne of God, but that wasn't all. The moon represents the testimony of Jesus. Christ was there when it all started, and he rejected the testimony of Jesus in relationship to God the Father and his holy law, and he defied it at the dawn of time. He attacked the moon, and he attacked Christ, the Son of God, and the stars are angels. They bore witness to the truth. The two-thirds at stake tried to struggle with the one-third that left. Come home. And the war in heaven was a war to win people back to God, and it didn't work for the one-third because they rejected the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars. The pregnant woman of the heavenly Jerusalem, Revelation 12, was in pain because heaven was hurt deeply by the origin of evil. The chiasm of Revelation 12 indicates that the great war was over the law of God and the testimony of Jesus at the very beginning of time before this world was created. The war was in heaven. And that first part of the chiasm is the first Armageddon. It was the first side of this mountain poetic structure. It was the battle for the heavenly Jerusalem, the throne of God, and the mountain, the assembly. And the Bible says the devil was thrown down. The angels that engaged in that war were thrown down with him. And the war that started there in heaven is a war that has continued through the centuries and it will end here on earth in the last Armageddon. The law of God and the testimony of Jesus will be attacked all over again in the mark of the beast issue. You see, the devil is at war with the mountain of the assembly, with the holy mountain of God. And the book of Revelation teaches that demons will gather again to make war on the truth and those who declare it and so the dragon, Revelation 12, 17, at the end of the poetic structure, the dragon was wroth or angry with the woman, with the heavenly Jerusalem. And it went off to make war on the remnant of her seed, on those people on earth that still belong to her, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What started before the creation of the earth will end here in a horrific struggle for faith and truth. It is here, the last Armageddon. Let's look at the chiasm again. On each side of the chiasm, we have the law of God and the testimony of Jesus, either in symbol or expression. 
And there was war on each side of the chiasm. The devil is thrown down each side of the chiasm. The woman flees on each side of the chiasm. But at the center of this poetic structure, we find the central truth that brings victory in the cosmic war between Christ and Satan in your life and mine. You see, we are in history. We're at the center of the war in our lives. Revelation 12.10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, you know, we need help not just in the future. And we need to know that God did more than just win something in the past. It says, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ or Messiah have come for the accuser of our brethren. The universe is saying, listen, we belong to them. Those people that stand with Jesus, we stand with them. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. When Satan deceived Adam and Eve, guess where he went? He went right back up into heaven. He says, I'm the new Adam of the human race. I see my senate seat here on the mountain of the assembly. And I'm going to use my time, which I have by conquest, as the new elected leader of planet earth to accuse every human being day and night. The devil wasn't here much of the time in the Old Testament. His angels were. He was our high priest by default because he had deceived Adam. And at the cross of Christ, he was thrown down. Now, you, when you pray your prayers at night, you don't have to worry about God hearing you anymore because the devil's not up there to interpret your prayers the wrong way. Jesus has taken his place. He has thrown him out. So how do people conquer in this war that we're in? How do people conquer in the ages that have been dark ever since before the final battle? Verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Let's review the significance of the chiasm. The war started with an attack on the law of God, and it will end with an attack on the law of God. If the Christian church aligns itself with teaching that says God's law is done away with, it's going to be part of the false side. The center of the chiasm holds the central truth that war was won by the cross of Christ. So how do you win the war in your life? Dear heart, by the cross of Christ and by the word of your testimony. The cross is the victory for both the first and the last Armageddon. It is the truth of who Jesus is. It's God's way of answering the claim or answering the questions that the devil has leveled against the law of God. You know, God's law means that God is love. But how do we know that? You look at the cross of Christ, there's absolutely no doubt that God's law of love brought Jesus to that cross for you and me. The cross is the ultimate argument that God's law can never be removed. And we share in the victory in our lives and we share the word of our testimony with others. You know, to come to church, to learn the prophecies, to learn the gospel, but to have an attitude and a lifestyle that does not share the faith. Dear heart, there's no victory that way. You can share by giving Bible studies. You can share by being a part of the service of God within the church in various dimensions to make a difference in the lives of others. You may be on the building team and you're sharing by using your abilities to help the church of Christ go up. You may be in the Sabbath school department or you may be somewhere else at what seems to be an insignificant part, but you take that part and you use it as an opportunity to bear witness to the cross of Christ and by the word of your testimony, what God does for you, you share faith and hope with someone else in the church. And that's how we overcome. We overcome in that kind of spiritual formation, seeking out to save others. The Bible says they overcame him the devil, by the blood of the Lamb 
and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Dear Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads today, thank you so much that you have put yourself out in such a way that who you are is what is on trial in this great war. The light of your law, which is the light of your character, your very name itself, placed in the Ark of the Covenant in heaven, is in fact in Jesus, who bears the covenant with deep within him. We know he came to reveal you, to reveal your law, to reveal your name. And at the cross, we see it clear. Father, may Jesus hold every heart that is weak, strong in him. May the faith that feels like faltering not fail because of him. And may the hands that feel they can't serve God because they're weak be strengthened by him. And may the heart that feels the law of God is so high and lofty, it's no way it could dwell in their hearts. May Christ dwell in their hearts, O Father, and bring his holy law deep within. And when we stand on Zion's turf, when we stand on that holy mountain, Father, we're not going to get there because we're good enough, because we acted good enough or we obeyed good enough. We know how we get there. We get there because of Jesus. And so may we have the faith of Jesus to trust his righteousness as our ticket of admission, the robe that takes away the shame that is a gift. Bless every heart with these twin truths brought together in Jesus. In his name, amen. That will conclude the first Armageddon, today's Reaching Your Heart, a part of the Cosmic Controversy series. Don't forget you can find it under the archives at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe in prayer. We believe in the God who answers our prayers and meets our needs. Each week, we are standing by to receive your prayer requests and seek God with you. His word declares, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Call our prayer line today with your requests and our team will join you in seeking that the God of heaven will meet each one of your needs. Our telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.